Hey, AP Lit, what's up? I'm here to talk about chapter nine. Okay, <clears throat> let's get started. Today's Thursday, uh, April 16th. It's almost 8.30. Um, guys, Jeopardy College Championship finals and Disney sing-along are on at the same time right now. I don't know what to do. We'll have to record my podcast, so I'm not watching either one of them. But um, the other show that has really given me life, I mean, aside from Tiger King, which... I think everyone should watch, um, has been Lego masters. Have you guys seen this show? I know none of you probably watch network television, but it, it was so good. Depending on what type of cable company or whatever you have, you should watch it. If you're a Lego person or if you grew up with Legos, it is, it, it was incredible. I mean, my Kai, my son, he's 12. He, we watched the whole season together. It was the season finale last night. And every episode, I just felt like got better and better. And what these people build is unbelievable. Okay, you didn't show up to talk about Legos, so let's uh, let's get to the business. Okay, guys, uh, chapter nine. I think with chapter nine, I really want to ask more questions than provide answers, and I want you guys to think about a bunch of things. So if you read chapter nine, you know that we learned this backstory of a Quefi and a Zinma. And Aquefi is the mother of Azima, and they have this incredibly close relationship. Um, in this one excerpt, it says the relationship between them was not only that of mother and child. There, were, it, there was something in it like the companionship of equals, which was strengthened by such little conspiracies as eating eggs in the bedroom. Now you have to remember that the relationship between a husband and a wife in this culture would not provide companionship. That is not a criticism. It seems to be a cultural reality of, of what people seek out in their marriage. It was interesting reading your answers to the questions about arranged marriages because many of you said, you know, yeah, I mean, Obirika loves his daughter. The process seemed to be as respectful as it could have been, but this is, it, it just doesn't put, it just makes marriage the definition of marriage different than what we know it to be in America in the West in the 21st century. And I think it's worth noting that, you know, the definition of marriage has changed over time in our country. And that's an interesting thing to think about. Probably not for you guys, cause you're not married, but people in our culture did not always marry for love. Sometimes they married because they needed, um, two people to work at the same business. Um, there's this great Freakonomics episode about the economic history of marriage. And all I'm trying to say is the definition that you have of marriage in the 21st century has not always been the definition of marriage in the, in, in American culture. And as I'm sure all of you know, it certainly wasn't the same. It's not the same worldwide. So what, yes, there's a, definitely something about that scene where you're like, yeah, this is how they do it. But I, you know, I, as the reader still think that this is, um, there's something here, someone in their answer said it perfectly when they said, sure, if you, if you've never had freedom, then you obviously would not find a problem with this ceremony. But if, if you have been a quote free person, then you would. Um, and I, I think the word free is really, really interesting to unpack. Okay. So anyway, Azinma, like back to what I'm trying to talk about. Azinma and Aquefi are very close. And Azinma is 10 and she's growing up and she's everybody's favorite. And she's very proud and she's very confident. And um, Aquefi, her mom, 
has had this very long journey in having a child. And another thing that I noted among the answers about the arranged marriages, people kind of said like, yeah, I guess that the, that the way that the Igbo people do it does value the woman. But then I would ask back, and it's a good question for you to think about if you're listening, what aspects of the female are valued in this culture? I'm going to say it again. What aspects of a female are valued in this culture? Okay, let's think about that. Well, they have to be able to cook and work really hard. Um, They seem to tend to the children much more than the man. Um, Producing a lot of children is obviously very important. Well, how do you evaluate the fertility of a woman? Okay, let's think about how we probably evaluated the fertility of a woman 130 years ago, right? It would be all about her physical appearance. Um, So those are the things that seem to be valued about women in this culture. That kind of sucks, right? If you, and then I I think an equally interesting question is what things are valued about women in, in this in 2020? um, And how has that changed over time? So if you grew up like in my grandmother's era, and women never went to work, right? If they were, um, what's the word I'm looking for? If they were only allowed certain positions like secretaries and teachers and maybe nurses, then what gets valued in them? Um, their caretaking skills, their ability to tend children, those types of things get valued. Okay, so in the case of Aquefi, she is not able to have, I shouldn't say that. She continues to give birth, but then the child dies. And I want you guys to consider with your 21st century brains, what do you think, like, what do you think happened? And, you know, you, Oh, how do I say this? As much as I'm going to read from some excerpts from chapter nine, and there are these like really kind of, I would call them gruesome things that get done to the, the, the bodies of these babies. And I want to talk a lot about what people, how we understood medicine 150 years ago. So this book takes place at the end of the 1800s. What, do, what does medicine look like here and in other places? And I know this topic doesn't apply to any of you, but if we're talking about something like fertility or even the health of infants, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, fertility specifically is something that now we know a tremendous amount about. Um, and we have these extremely specialized procedures or extremely specialized paths that a couple can take to get pregnant on there, get pregnant with, with their, with their, um, egg and sperm and another, and put it in a surrogate. They can have it in their own body. You can have, um, two men who want to have a baby and then they go find, um, an egg and then they go find another. I mean, it's crazy what, what we know about fertility in the 21st century. And even with everything we know, there are situations where women, cannot get pregnant. Um, and I say that only because it's, 
still in the 21st century, 140 years after this book is written, it's still an area where we don't have all the answers. And I mean, this is just obviously one, what's the word I'm looking for? One really teeny tiny subset of medicine. I mean, I think now living through a pandemic, we're realizing that we, we don't have all the answers. Obviously in the year 2020, we're looking to science. I hope you're all looking to science, um, for answers, but we are acknowledging that there's a lot we don't know. Now I want you to imagine having something happen 140 years ago and think about what that would have looked like. I don't know if you guys have read about the Spanish flu or these other pandemics that have happened, but it is really interesting to see how people, like what happened to people and, um, and how different the world was. I was just texting with Mrs. Blackwell because I am friends with Mrs. Blackwell. And we talked about how her, let's see. Okay. Her grandfather, or maybe it's her grandfather-in-law. Like he remembers a time when there was no polio vaccine and polio affected children. So and children could die from polio. And so I was kind of thinking about like, okay, yeah, this is really bad. This is really scary. But we have had many eras throughout history where, you know, there's something that comes up that we can't figure out immediately because it's impossible. But through the pursuit of science, we figure out a vaccine or something of that nature. I just listened to Radiolab, this podcast that I really like. And they did this, it was called Dispatch 3. And you should listen to it if you're interested in treatments for the coronavirus. Um, and they talked about the process of antibodies, which I don't know if you've read any of this yet, but it's where you can, if you if you have survived the coronavirus, then you have the antibodies for it. And then you can donate your blood. And then, of course, they have to screen your blood. But if, you're, if they screen it and they can use the blood, they then extract the plasma from the blood. And they inject it into someone who's fighting the coronavirus. And the woman being interviewed said, yeah, this is actually something that they figured out like in 190 something. Somebody won the Nobel Prize or some crazy prize, I can't remember, for discovering this concept of antibodies or something. Maybe you know more than this topic than I do. But my point is, you know, before we knew a lot of what we know, like how did we behave? And in this chapter, you have this woman, this poor woman who's, whose value is defined by how many children she can have and raise, and she can't have one. Um, okay, I want to read an excerpt from page 80. So the child, one of the children is called Anwambiko. Anwambiko was not given proper burial when he died. Anwambiko had called in another medicine man who's famous in the clan for his great knowledge about Agbanji children which you guys know means like evil child, wicked children. His name was Okagbu Uyanwa. Okagbu was a very striking figure, tall with full beard and bald head. He was light in complexion and his eyes were red and fiery. He always gnashed his teeth as he listened to those who came to consult him. He asked Okankwo a few questions about the dead child. All the neighbors and relations who had come to mourn gathered round them. Um, and so he says, um, you know, you have your wife sleep in her own hut. And then the medicine man then ordered that there should be no mourning for the dead child. 
He brought out sharp razor. Okay, this is tough. He brought out sharp razors from the goatskin bag slung over his left shoulder and began to mutilate the child. I just have to take a pause there. Then he took it away to bury it in the evil forest, holding the ankle and dragging it on the ground behind him. After such treatment, it would think twice before coming again, unless it, one of the, it was one of those stubborn ones who returned, carrying the stamp of their mutilation um, missing finger or perhaps a dark line where the medicine man's razor cut. Whoa. Okay. Um, so the belief here is that what, what is the belief here that, that there's this wicked spirit that keeps coming back and that's why it can't live. Okay. I'm getting ahead of myself. I really want to ask you guys. And I asked the people who came to my office hours, I asked them the same question. Like what, what is the point of chapter nine? And I don't mean to say like, what is the point? I mean to ask you like, what do you think Achebe is trying to prove? Do you think he is trying to prove that these beliefs are ridiculous and we're going to go hunt for a rock somewhere? Or do you think he's trying to prove that there is something to what these people believe? I don't know the answer. That's why I'm asking you. Okay, we go on and the medicine man shows up and... um he says, where did you bury your iwi uwa? And she says, what is iwi uwa? You know what it is. You buried it in the ground somewhere so that you can die and return again to torment your mother. Azima looked at her mother, whose eyes, sad and pleading, were fixed on her. Answer the question at once, roared, roared Okonkwo. All of the family were there and some neighbors too. Leave me to her, the medicine man told, told Okonkwo. In a cool, confident voice, he turned again to Azima. Where did you bury your iwi uwa? Where did you bury children? Where they buried children, she replied. And the quiet spectators murmured to themselves, come along and show me the spot, And said the medicine man. And then Zima leads the way. And they follow her and they follow her and they follow her. And then she says, okay, right here. And then they dig and they dig and they dig. And as the reader, I mean, I, I always reread, but I'm always thinking like, what is what does she know? What do these other people know? Okay. Um, they dig and they dig and they dig. Um, and then you know, Okonkwo digs and Okabu digs, and then we keep going. And then we get to the pit. After a few more hopefuls of earth, he struck the iwi uwa. He raised it carefully with a hoe and threw it to the surface. Some women ran away in fear that it was thrown, but they soon returned and everyone was gazing at the rag from a reasonable distance. Okagbu emerged without saying a word or even looking at the spectators. He went to his goatskin bag, took out two leaves, and began to chew them. When he swallowed them, he took up the rag with his left hand and began to untie it. And then he pulled out a shiny pebble. And then the smooth, shiny pebble fell out. He picked it up. Is this yours? He asked Zima. Yes, she replied. All the women shouted with joy because Aquefi's troubles were at last ended. All of this happened more than a year ago, and Azima had not been ill since. And then suddenly she began to shiver at night. Okay, so like, what do you what do you make of this? What do you make of this? Um, I asked Aaron, who was in office hours, like, what, I was like, what do you think of like how did how did he know? How did she know? Like, is this thing real? Like, what do you think? And Aaron had this really good observation that I want to share. He said, you know, sh the the children are privy, right? They they understand how their culture works. 
And so he said maybe she knew what he was looking for. And she like told a brother or sister like, hey, go dig this rock for me in a bag because this crazy medicine man's going to want me to find it. Um, I don't know. I think that you probably have noticed that the chapters are written so that you as the reader cannot tell how Achebe feels about any of this. He's just trying to tell you a story of these people. And he's not saying, oh, isn't that crazy? Or that's so backwards. He's just telling you the story. Um, As the American or Western reader, it's hard not to be shocked by a lot of this. And if you are shocked, I think that that's okay. Um, Because a lot of their practices are shocking. I'm equally interested to know, no, I'm actually really interested to know, what were our medical practices at this time period? We were doing all sorts of dumb stuff um, because nobody knew anything. And I'm sure a hundred years from now, people are going to read about COVID-19 in textbooks and say, oh my God, how could, how could these people have been so stupid? Um, they didn't know anything. So I don't know. I think the other thing is that, um, you know, I, I asked everyone on office hours today, like, do we, and I want you to also answer this on your own. Do you know of anyone, you know, let's call this phrase modern medicine. Do you know of people, do you have people in your life who, I don't want to say reject modern medicine, but let's just say, do you know people in your life who quote supplement modern medicine with things that other people might consider to be hocus pocus? So on some of the calls today we talked, or on the office hour say we talked about like essential oils. I don't know if people have essential oils out there. Um, but you know, people think they have these very strong healing powers. If you're interested in this topic, I just listened to a podcast called The Dream, and it's available on Apple Podcasts. And it's a, just a journalist, and she lives in Los Angeles, and she's really fed up with the, quote, wellness industry and how much garbage it is you know, you pay all these money for these treatments and none of them are backed by science and it's so ridiculous. And she, she, she like tries every treatment out there and they're all crazy. And she's actually suffered from this really significant injury and she has some pain associated with it and nothing has ever worked for her. So that podcast was really interesting to me. And I find myself just, you know, like most humans, like skeptical and yet at the same time like wanting to believe that we that there are more answers out there than than what we know although i mean i have read more i have read more science articles in the last 2 months of my life than in my entire life um and i currently believe you know i just try to read the data and read find my reliable sources. I'm getting off track. Okay. So the question is why, 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 why chapter nine? What do you think he's trying to show us? Um, and then how, how do you, how did Azima know that her rock was there? Like, how did she know that? Um, how did the medicine man, like what is happening in this chapter? Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I got to go back. There's one last thing. So at the end of the chapter, um, Okonkwo returns and um, he puts his stuff down. He says, "Get me, a, get me a pot. Leave me, leave the child alone." So he um, pours some really hot water, and then she set the pot on the fire. And Alconquo took up his machete and returned to his obi. Um, so he tells her to watch the pot, make sure it doesn't boil over, and then um, he cooks this medicine. Uh, we don't really know what's in it. And then it says he took the pot down from the fire and placed it in front of the stool. He then roused Zinma and placed her on the stool astride the steaming pot. 
The thick mat was thrown over broth. Azima struggled to escape from choking and overpowering steam, but she was held down. She started to cry. When the mat at last was removed, she was drenched in perspiration. A coiffy mopped her with a piece of cloth, and she lay down on the dry mat, and she was soon asleep. And again, like, this is going to sound ridiculous, but it always that part always makes me think of when we were little and my mom was like trying to get us to break a fever. She would like, I don't know if you guys have ever done this or if your mom would do this to you. She would like crank up the shower to like the hottest possible water. And she wouldn't put us in the shower obviously because they would burn our skin, but she would make us like sit in the bathroom and she would, you know, basically create a steam room for us. And then, um, sometimes she would make us <laughs> sound so crazy, but Sometimes like if we had a really bad cough and we just couldn't clear our lungs out, she would um, like put us in the steam room and then, you know, make us sit there. And then she, after that, she would have us like, go outside if it was really cold and like us take, you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea if these strategies worked, but she had all this stuff she would make us do much of it with the steam room in the cold. Um, and I guess that's my next question is, you know, I'm sure all of your moms, and dads have strategies of how they would help you guys like through a fever, which I'm certain is simply what's happening with his, I, I'm certain that's happening with Azima. Um, but I think that it's worth considering 120 years ago in places all over the planet, like people would get sick. And what did we do? Well, I'm certain a lot of people died um, without a lot of the things we have now, but I'm certain a lot of other tra strategies were piloted and I don't know, just so many questions. Okay. Um, make sure your questions get uploaded tonight. I'm going to hop back on tomorrow night and talk about theme. And then Monday of next week, there's going to be a video posted to classroom with a breakdown of the week. And next week is going to look a little different. I just want us to be prepared. Like I'm, I'm going to try to get feedback from people and then make the appropriate changes. I'm going to try to do that every week. So, um, yeah, I hope you guys have a great night and keep reading, keep reading, keep reading. Bye.